1: Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Our topic today is overcoming karma. My guest is RJ Spina, the author of Supercharged Self-Healing. Viewers may remember that RJ is an individual who cured himself from a diagnosis of permanent paraplegia. I know this sounds incredible, so if you haven't already seen his short video demonstrating what I've just described, I'm going to link to it right now. You'll see it on the right side of your screen and you can click there for a short video that documents this incredible cure. RJ lives in Southern California and now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome RJ, a pleasure to be with you once again. Thank you for having me, Jeffrey. It's
0: my pleasure. I always enjoy
1: our chats. We're going to be talking about karma today. and One of the reasons I'm very interested in this topic has to do with a phrase that stuck in my mind Many years ago, I interviewed a uh, an aging Sufi lady who was a healer named Irina Tweedy, and she told me that her guru taught her that uh, to heal. And and she said, or her guru said to her, she said that her guru said to her, "We can heal anything, but we cannot heal anyone." and the reason being that some people have karma and uh, it's their karma that they're going to get sick. And in your case, for example, you were very ill. Of course, you eventually healed yourself, but I imagine part of your whole life trajectory was to have that illness.
0: Yes, yeah. So, there. yeah, there's a couple of things going on there, Jeff. Um, so let me give my take, uh, my tangible experience with, with karma, what it is that, um, I get when I log into this. So karma is the addiction or attachment to anything low frequency. And I know we often think about karma as a sort of like a cause and effect thing, but they're not, they're not those, they're not the same thing. And I'll get into cause and effect in a moment, but. Karma is the addiction or attachment to anything low frequency. And so maybe we can start off with the with the idea that an incarnation into the lower frequencies of the physical universe, which is where you and I are. In fact, we're at the very bottom of the physical universe, the bottom three frequencies banding together to form height, weight, width. So we're, we're as low as it goes, so to speak. Uh, if we had an image of literally just sort of dropping in, having the experience of, of being human and then literally being removed out sort of the seamless transition of dropping in, having the human experience, and then the higher self pulls us back out and we simply leave. And there's absolutely no energetic attachments, addictions. That is the fastest way, or maybe the simplest way that I can kind of capture what karma is. So there's various forms of karma as well. So my understanding, there's, there's four or five different genres of, of karma. And this is what keeps us in the evolutionary cycle is actually karma and the base frequencies of earth and where our consciousness is right now in terms of its own evolutionary cycle. Jeff, we're now capable of resolving and absolving all karma in one lifetime and removing ourselves from any energetic attachments or addictions and thus transcending the need to ever reincarnate again. Now, this, this was not the case 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. And i like to go back to, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's incarnation only because, uh, the base frequencies are much higher now. And part of what uh, Yogananda needed to do, which, which of course he did, was to bring Kriya Yoga, uh, to, to the world, to the West, really. And that was because the body had to go through all these different machinations and poses just to get ourselves ready to be able to meditate. And so now the base frequencies are higher. And so we don't have to, don't, we could, but we don't have to go through all of those things. So really what we need to start to work with are these new metaphysical understandings or truths, and they're not necessarily new, but they're just being presented once again. And I'm honored to be able to present some of these things in this incarnation. So we're really ready to transcend the need to incarnate. And once we start to understand how karma really works, we will unbind ourselves energetically and therefore we're free to not have to come back here. So, the different genres of karma as I experience it are essentially there's thought-based karma which is all thought that is <clears throat> excuse me based around being human that we are human and the entire thought process whether it's our body it's our feelings it's our thoughts everything is based around the human condition now remember this is not just to think about emote about This is the addiction. And that's the difference with karma. Karma is an energetic attachment to the physical. So when we come down here, we come down here unencumbered. We simply slide into the physical form, and the idea is to sort of slide right back out. But as soon as we make an attachment or an addiction, that actually is karma. And that's what keeps us coming back here, because you can only undo the karma or the energetic attachment where it was accrued. So in other words, you can't slide in for an incarnation, form all these addictions, slide out through what we call death, and then work on all those karmic attachments in these higher frequencies. You have to come back to where you gained or accrued or made the energetic attachment. And this is part of the evolutionary cycle. Now, prior to this, I would say prior to some of these understandings that we're going to talk about, the average soul it takes about 35,000 lifetimes to be able to work itself through all of the different karmic ties that we accrue through uh, incarnation and low frequency. So if we start to think about 35,000 lifetimes, uh, it's a lot to, sit, to say the least. And so now we can operate in a completely different way. Once we start to understand the metaphysics of energy, we can bypass all of these tens of thousands of lifetimes where we're simply spinning in low frequency, just garnering and accruing more and more karmic ties and having to come back over and over again to work through these things. So now we can work with ourselves properly and transcend the need to incarnate. So thought process karma is the addiction, the attachment to anything that is based upon us just being human. Everything is about our thoughts. Everything is about our feelings. Everything is about our body. That would be one example of thought-based and the addiction to constantly obsessing and having to do it over and over again. The need to attach ourselves to anything of the physical world is what the attachment is. That becomes a karmic link. There's behavior-based karma. Uh, Number one would be gossip. Talking about people all the time creates a tremendous, a tremendous uh, karmic link the use, the kind of language that we use, if it's a very low frequency language, so curse words, constantly having to curse, uh, violent tendencies, these things are sort of a behavior based karma, uh, taking advantage of people for your own personal gain is uh behavior based karma, the manipulation or coercion of others is behavior based karma. Uh, not taking responsibility and blaming others, which also forms an energetic attachment. This also creates karma. There's others, but these are some examples of behavior-based karma. There's there's bodily-based karma. So bodily-based or bodily sensation-based karma would be the addiction, the attachment, food, sex, drugs, uh, prescription or recreational, uh, alcohol. Adrenaline rush. Um, I would even say even body condition. Uh, there are people that are, ups- let's say, obsessed with their exercise routine. And the the runner's high that people get, they get addicted to the runner's high. Or that body condition from lifting weights or from doing anything like that. This addiction to the sensation of anything physical would create the body-based. Uh, there's also, obviously, material-based. Karma, which is possessions, the attachment, the addiction to having to have stuff, stuff that you don't need, obviously, but you think you need it, you become attached to it. So whether that's, you know, the, the Gucci, the the brand names, uh, material possessions, fancy watches, uh, having numerous cars, the need to have to have things that are well beyond um, what is actually useful but there's an addiction to having these things there's status-based karma which is also the idea of being famous the idea of being the big boss the idea of being in charge the idea of being seen at the fanciest restaurants at making sure that you take the most expensive vacations and everyone knows about it so this this is sort of, this is a status-based karma So we we have status, we have material possession, we have body-based, we have behavior, and we have thought-based karma. And this, this Jeff, to me, is one of the most important things because this all links to the ego-mind identity and how this relates also to health. All of these things are working together. But karma is the addiction and attachment to anything of the physical, which then binds us here. And keeps us locked in this evolutionary cycle rather than just having, sliding in, having the experience of uh, physical reality, having the human experience, and then simply removing ourselves because we have not made any energetic attachments. And maybe we can sum it all up, and then I'll stop rambling. Maybe we could sum it all up. Uh, Christ said it best when he said to, to be, to work in the physical, but not be of the physical. And that's probably a much more eloquent and simple way than all my rambling. But essentially, we're talking about the metaphysics of energy and attachment through addiction. And so that is actually what keeps us locked here and coming back and having to come back to undo the energetic cords that we created. And from my perspective, that that's what karma is.
1: Could we look at your own case? It's a very fascinating example because here you are a healer, a, I'd have to say just based on what I've just heard, you're a metaphysical teacher, you're helping to liberate people spiritually. How does that play into the story of your karma?
0: My my personal experience is not based upon karma, but based upon a, a challenge a challenge of self-mastery and transcendence. So uh, I'm, I'm not bound, we'll say, to the lower frequencies of the physical universe. Uh, I'm able to come and go uh, in a way to be of service. And so for me to make it more interesting and challenging, so there's a way for my consciousness to evolve, I gave myself a challenge in that I incarnated into a a genetic entity that would have certain experiences that would render it almost uh, non-functional, useless, um, uh, paralyzed, obviously paralyzed from the chest down. So this wasn't karma through attachment. This was more of a challenge that I was able to, that I wanted to give myself so I could prove to myself, uh, yet again, that I could put my body back together and then be of service in terms of, teaching other people about the metaphysics of how this actually works, how true healing actually works, how overcoming karma, healing, uh, any of these things, and to be able to teach these these higher level of metaphysics because we're at a point where we can start to work with ourselves in this way. So uh, for me, it wasn't um, or isn't karmic-based. It's more of uh, I needed something that, gave me a great challenge that I had to sincerely dedicate and devote myself through great discipline to be able to overcome it. And by doing that, then I'm able to share all of these things that I've learned and provide tangible proof that uh, self-healing is real and that metaphysics are actually the key.
1: The other thought I had while you were talking about karma, you use terms like addiction and attachment and, and referred to curse words and there, there is a negative side, but isn't there also a positive side to karma?
0: Yes. Yes, Jeff. Uh, absolutely. And how did I know you were going to ask that? So it's when we start working with ourselves in what I, what I call a higher frequency way. So when we succumb to the low frequencies, right? Then we start behaving and attaching ourselves to the things that are here, which is what we just went over. But when we start to operate while we're here, in a higher frequency way. And you can think of these things as being compassionate, as being wise, as being giving, as being generous, as as someone who shares, who wants to give, who's not interested in acquiring and becoming. We start to accrue exactly what you said, Jeff. We start to accrue a positive karma. This positive karma actually lifts us. Because we're operating in a high frequency way, we're actually pulling ourselves up and the real challenge to to doing that is, is obviously operating in a high frequency way when we're literally in the lowest frequencies that exist. And that's the whole challenge. So when we work with ourselves in a way that is congruent to what we really are and not the human condition and the ego mind identity, we are actually creating an upward spiral, metaphysically speaking. And that exactly would be what you said. That would be positive karma.
1: you have used. The term frequency and and the lower, the three lower frequencies you identified earlier, if if I recall correctly, is length, depth, and height, which are spatial dimensions. Uh, And yet, when you talk about frequencies, higher frequencies, I get the sense that what you really mean is something like moving toward goodness, moving toward love which I don't think of as necessarily related to the physical dimensions of space.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting closer and closer. By operating in a higher frequency way, we're operating in a more holistic, natural way, more akin to what we really are and where we come from. And so in that sense, we are, the higher frequencies are, you could say, more divine or more imbued with the divine, although God is everything, everything. But it's just in the slow, dense frequencies that we're here now, what we call the third dimension, which is, it's really the bottom three frequencies banding together, just as we said, to give us a three dimensional type experience. But as we move up the frequency, the, the, that state of being becomes more akin to what we really are. We're an energy being. There's no, there's nothing physical to us. We are, we are totally free, totally formless and completely unconditioned this is what we actually are this is just a suit and the suit is attuned to the local environment and it becomes part of the local environment hence we leave the body here we slide into it and we literally get pulled right out of it so as we operate in a higher frequency way as you said we are operating more like what we really are uh more authentically And we are moving closer and closer and closer as we go up the frequencies. And this is what Ascension is. As we move up the frequencies, we're getting more and more in touch with the environment that we're naturally come from. It is a more holistic. It is a more loving. It is a a more wise. It is a more inclusive. It is obviously more connected. It is obviously a level of communion that we don't have here. And so it's simply a return to really our natural state. And we want to bring that state here. We want to bring the higher frequency here because a rising tide lifts all ships.
1: You and I are right at this moment uh, having a conversation in three-dimensional reality, aren't we? Yes. Yes. I mean,
0: we're using the the, the physical form essentially to communicate via speech and then we're using our physical ear. So right now, what is imbuing this conversation, I would say, what is behind this conversation is not the ego mind identity, but more of what our true spirit is, or our consciousness, or our wisdom. Uh, so that is what's imbuing it, but we're using the physical form or the three-dimensional reality to be able to communicate, yes.
1: At first, when you were talking, I had the sense that the goal of all of this is to leave these three dimensions and move into uh, uh, some sort of reality of greater freedom. And yet, when you use the word imbue, I get a different feeling that it's more a question of bringing into our three-dimensional reality some, something that comes from that larger reality. 100%.
0: So we, we want to be what we really are, which is, which is the embodiment of divinity. And we want to be able to live that way, act that way, breathe that way. So it's not so much to leave here. This is an experience like any other frequency in any other reality. And all of us must experience every frequency and every dimension of God's multiverse in order to be completely done. And then we move on to something totally different, which is a whole nother conversation at another time. But we have to avail ourselves, it's kind of like moving into a house. You got to get to know every room in the house. So we are simply experiencing the low frequencies of the physical universe. It's not to shun it. it we certainly can enjoy ourselves. I enjoy my incarnation. I enjoy being RJ, who whoever RJ is. But I enjoy, I enjoy my time here, but I'm not attached to it. There, there's no energetic connection to it. And so the key is to to be able to enjoy yourself without forming an attachment. And when you are truly enjoying yourself, what you're really enjoying is yourself, what you're really experiencing is yourself. And by experiencing yourself, which is the supreme vibration, you are then imbuing this realm with a higher frequency and a higher vibration. And this is a tangible experience for other people. We've all connected with people that are operating in a very high frequency way. We feel better when we talk to them. We like being around them, uh, we like spending our time with them. We feel elevated. We feel inspired. Uh, we may even feel our own level of compassion and love when we're around a being like this, a person like this. And so we're, we're all this at our core. And really what we want to do is to imbue every single realm with the truth. And the truth is that we are truly divinity in action.
1: I love what you're saying, R.J., and and I agree wholeheartedly with everything you've said. On the other hand, I hear from viewers every day, and I'm sure at at this moment, and that's a funny phrase because uh, the moment will be, in a sense, timeless. There are people viewing Right now, people listening to the sounds coming out of my mouth. Right now, who are suffering, and and they write and they plea for help. I, I if you read the comments section of uh, the new thinking aloud videos, you'll hear people saying, "Help me! I, I've got a terrible illness, or I have a, I've lost a terrible friend or a spouse." And and these are people who are suffering greatly. I wonder. How this message that we've been describing, discussing, delivering, transmitting today—how can we reach? How can—is there something we can do to help these people? Mm, Well, well, I I, I would say—I mean, this is uh,
0: the whole. Really, the whole reason why I'm here is to is to help and to change uh, and to change the understandings of things, help move consciousness along. For me, it, it it always seems to come back to detachment. So detaching and not identifying with what is going on, and this always relates to the ego mind, identity, identification. So when we realize that we are the awareness, the pure, unsullied awareness of everything, not what we are aware of. I realize we're aware of pain. We're aware of discord. We're aware of violence, deception, lying. I mean, we certainly are. This this realm is rife with that, for sure. And there's very little wisdom and compassion in this realm, which breaks my heart. So the key to this, Jeff, is the detachment, is to realize, let me use an analogy. We've all seen clouds in front of the sun, and it blocks the sun, And clouds, what do clouds produce? They produce rain, sleet, snow, bad weather, terrible weather, tornadoes, etc. Right, terrible weather. Okay. None of those things touch the sun. No matter how bad the weather is, the sun is untouched. It is unsullied by what goes on. Now, this is the same for all of us. We are all the sun. We are untouched by the body-mind completely and utterly it doesn't matter what is happening in terms of the mental body it doesn't matter what's happening with the emotional body or the physical body what we are is the sun forever untouched and unsullied now to be able to start to experience these things requires detachment requires some effort because the low frequencies are intoxicating they're absolutely intoxicating we lose this direct connection with ourself And we identify with the thoughts, with the emotions, with the body, with the bodily sensations, and therefore the experiences that the body has. This is actually why we suffer. And for myself in this incarnation, I've experienced levels of pain that are literally, they're absolutely extraordinary. I didn't know they existed. (laughs) So, but I say this, and I say this with all sincerity, I did not suffer. I was aware of what was going on. I experienced the pain. I continue to experience pain. Sometimes my back is horrible. It just is. But I don't identify with it. And it's that space, Jeffrey, between what is going on and you, the difference between the sun and the weather. The sun is untouched. And when we start to reside that way and not rush forward into the mental body, emotional body, physical body, and identify with it, When we start to sink into what we really are, pure, unsullied awareness, like two eyes floating in space with no brain attached, like a periscope. And the captain that's viewing is down here in the center of the chest using a periscope. So if we can start to work with ourselves in this way, they're very simple things. And all of a sudden, I'm not saying the pain goes away, although there are things to do, which I talk about in the book. But the suffering goes away because we're no longer identifying with the human experience, and I think everything Jeff has has to start with that detachment by realizing that you're the sun, not the weather, and by realizing that you are the self, not what goes on with with the body mind.
1: So you're making a distinction between pain and suffering.
0: Yeah, they're, they're they're not they're not the same thing. I know we use them synonymously, of course, uh, and I understand why because normally. When there's pain, we identify with the pain, and therefore we suffer the pain. But they're really not the same thing. They are not. Identification is what causes suffering. Think about just being a pure observer to something. You can't suffer something if you're just simply observing it. You're just watching it. You're not identifying with anything. So now this is challenging, I mean, don't get me wrong, this is definitely challenging, but that's the point. That's how, we, that's how we grow and that's how we evolve. But pain and suffering are not the same thing. We use them synonymously, but the suffering occurs through identification. Pain is inherent in physical reality because of the experience of solidity. So it's not about avoiding pain, it's about being able to be yourself in a, in an, a foreign environment while inside a body and being able to actually be your true self, to realize yourself, self-realization, to realize yourself. And when we start to realize the self, the association or the identification or the suffering starts to diminish.
1: Earlier, you made the statement that God is Everything. And I tend to agree with that statement, and yet i I think of it as also problematic because it would mean that all of these things that we are so attached to are also of God. Yes, yeah, so yeah,
0: it would it would seem like a conundrum, right? it would It would definitely seem like some kind of conundrum. How does that make any sense? right? But it, it's that God welcomes all experience. And when we start to view it that way, because it's true, God learns through every single experience. God learns through us as we are a fractal of God. So every experience we have, God is having that experience. And simultaneously and concurrently, it is evolving its own consciousness as we evolve our consciousness through experience. So all experience is welcome. It's The reason why this is tough to grasp, Jeffrey, I think is because we're not using our higher mind. We're not using our higher consciousness or an enlightened state of consciousness, however you want to describe it. And we reduce ourselves to sort of a humanistic uh, perspective of everything. And when we're viewing everything from a human perspective, we're missing 99.997 of everything. <laughs> so we're, we're lacking a very, we're lacking a holistic or deep perspective of metaphysics of how things actually work. And from a human perspective, there certainly seems like there's all this horrible stuff going on. I I don't disagree. But the further you sort of rise up above that, when we're down here, things are black and white for people. Good, bad, right, wrong, right? It's very very based upon your belief systems. But it's very apparent. That's good. That's bad. That's right. That's wrong. I like that. I don't like that. Very black and white. I, I can tell you that as you sort of rise up or you elevate your perspective, your consciousness, both literally and figuratively. And then you start to look at what is going on here from a higher perspective. It's no longer black and white. It actually just starts to become a bit gray. And as you're looking at it and you move even higher up, it it actually just starts to become gold. And you realize that everything is just experience. There is no good. There is no bad. There is no right. There is no wrong. It's just various levels, various states of being with various levels of self-awareness or understanding and when you're totally removed from from, uh, from it and you're viewing it from up on high so, so to speak you you don't see any of that there's no good bad right wrong it is just life it is just experience it's consciousness evolving and consciousness must avail itself of the totality of what is that is inherent within every now So every single opportunity to experience anything is always available to us within every single moment, which also speaks to a lot of what is going on on our planet right now. But it's, it's all experience. It's all God and no experience is better or worse than, than another. The, the, the evolutionary content that is gained or accrued uh, by being a spiritual master is no different than the evolutionary content that is gained and accrued by by being a beggar. It's all it's all equal. It's it's all God. It's all it's all one. It's it's just experience.
1: Which suggests to me that things that are true at one level are not true at a different level because most of us g- grow up with some idea of good and bad, right and wrong, as as you've said. And, and in an extreme case, many people feel that uh, the most important thing they can do in life is oppose that which appears to be evil. And people dedicate their lives to that. And you're suggesting that uh, at another level, it's it's all just, you might even call it a game. Yeah, I would say the main objective
0: is to overcome our own ignorance. I would say that's really the game. And I think part of the distraction is to focus outside of the self. And once we do that, we're simply going to operate based upon the systems, the conditions of that of that local environment that that we were raised in. And so therefore, what's you know, what's right here in California is wrong over in Mexico or, you know, wherever I'm just picking places. It's totally contextual. And But the, the truth about all of this is that it is a game and it's a game of self-mastery to remove all ignorance until you know the self. And at this point, your interest in getting involved and making sure this is good, this is right, or that's bad, that's wrong, and trying to inter, interject yourself into it, that will leave you. What will start to happen is you'll realize that everyone is where they're at. There are some souls that they are just now learning that being violent is, is not helpful. They don't know that yet, so they're learning that. There are plenty of souls that know that's not the answer, so they don't do it. So we have to have the acceptance to to be able to be okay with where everyone is at. If we walked into us, as an example, Jeff, if we walked into a second grade math class, right? And they would do their, their multiplication tables, right? We wouldn't look down upon them. We wouldn't hold them in disdain because they're only doing, you know, four times six. That's exactly where they're at. And that's totally okay. If we can start to apply that understanding really to everything and everyone, then, then I think this world changes overnight. Everyone is at where they're at. And there's such a various level. Of sentience or evolutionary content that's on this earth right now it's almost mind-boggling you know if we started talking about that the various levels but we would never hold second graders in contempt because that's where we're at and we and we should try to do the same for everyone else across the board as much as possible
1: RJ uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, the various bits of wisdom and advice you've been giving me and our viewers come from your own direct intuitive understanding. Uh, on the other hand, I think you've probably also been exposed to a variety of spiritual traditions and influences uh, here in your journey on this planet. and, and I just wonder uh, if you identify more or less with any particular tradition.
0: Uh, Jeff, I was raised, uh, Catholic. I went to Catholic school until sixth grade. Uh, so, but that wasn't by any sort of free will choice. You know, mom and dad said, you're, you're going to Catholic school. So, uh, so I was brought up that way. I, I can remember in college, Jeff, I took a course called, uh, The Bible is Literature, uh, by a wonderful woman, uh, brilliant. And we read the Bible cover to cover, uh, for a year twice back when we discussed everything this that was really phenomenal for me and i can remember after that i very much delved into buddhism and uh hinduism and and i would say by the time i was probably 30 i really had no affinity or identification to any of it as i started to um experience the the depth of myself and i it's I just started to work intuitively, as you said, in terms of my own higher consciousness and abilities. Those would be the backdrops, I would say. Raised Catholic, I was definitely interested in Buddhism. I was definitely interested, uh, in Hinduism, but I wouldn't call myself, uh, anything. I don't, I don't have any identifications to anything, but they, I would say they helped in some understandings, uh, that started to open the door to more metaphysical truths that I was then able to experience tangibly. And I think that's really the key for all of us, Jeff, is to start to experience our own inner spirituality outside of some some sort of formalized rules and regulations. And I think that's where we're at in terms of our consciousness, that we have to now evolve through experiential systems and belief systems are starting to die down. And I really believe that consciousness can no longer evolve through beliefs, because how can what's inside evolve through what's outside of it? And that's really what beliefs are. And my understanding is that we reached the pinnacle of that through, through Christ's uh, last incarnation about 2000 years ago. He took that. He took the purity and the belief in him and the belief in God as far as it can go. And now what we have to do is we have to realize this within ourselves. And I really feel that's the direction that consciousness is going in. And it is my fervent desire that I help with with this. I right? play my role properly and keep my word so we can move our consciousness forward and start to explain how to experience these things tangibly and experientially instead of relying on something outside of ourself. There's no point in reading a book or watching a video about how orange juice tastes. You should taste it yourself and then you know. And that's really where the the, the evolution of consciousness is moving to.
1: Well, in our earlier conversation, in our very first conversation, and uh, in case some viewers haven't seen it, I'm going to just link to it now on the right side of your screen. Uh, In fact, I'll link to our, I think we've had now two previous conversations. I'll link to both of those. I think some viewers uh, will benefit from uh, checking out those videos if they haven't done so. One of the things that you emphasized the most was meditation, as uh, that was, I think, the major tool that you used when you healed yourself from your permanent paralysis. And I presume you're still meditating.
0: So yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Um, the book is really how, how to meditate in a much more profound. Uh, Way through higher states of consciousness, but it's it's all meditation and I like to say the self what we really are is meditation And we are what exists before thought before emotion before action before the body And to me, that's what meditation is. It's complete clarity. It's total calmness It's connectivity and it's communion with all life And only meditation can can afford us the truth the authentic, tangible experience of that is, is through meditation. You, you cannot connect things through the separation of things, which is what thinking is. All thinking, emoting, actions are all expressions of the self. They're not the self. The self is what exists before. And when we work with ourselves in this way, everything changes. The true meditation will annihilate the idea that we're merely human. We will start to move well beyond five physical senses. We'll start to move well beyond the body. We can even move outside of our body, which is, you know, something I've been doing as as a child. So meditation is the absolute key. Thought, the intellect, is like a knife that dissects, compartmentalizes, it it fragments, it, it slices everything. And you would never stitch a blanket using a knife. You we cannot use this tool to 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 unite us. It's the wrong tool for the job. Meditation is the right tool, not the intellect. And the more that we work with ourselves in, in this holistic way, the more all those things I just talked about will actually be tangible for people, it won't just be some guy talking about
1: it. <laughs> So, my sense is that through meditation, we come to experience ourselves as multi dimensional beings here in the physical plane, but simultaneously living many other realities.
0: Yeah, Jeff, exactly. That, that's exactly right. This is, it's like, a, I use the analogy for like a radio. Satellite radio has got, I don't know, probably thousands of songs are playing right now on a satellite radio, but you can only listen to one song at a time. But there's thousands of songs playing right now, but that's because the satellite radio can only tune into one thing at a time. It's the same with this physical body and the brain. The brain is attuned to just the local environment or our physical, our physical reality that we're currently having. But just like there's thousands of songs playing right now on satellite radio, there are way more than thousands of realities that are occurring right now that we are actually involved in, but we're not tuned into them. Because the brain simply doesn't function that way. The brain is operating on a subset of space-time, which is logic and linearity. And so we have to transcend the space-time paradigm by raising the electromagnetic frequency of our brain, and then we go above and beyond space-time, and therefore we leave logic and linearity behind, and we start to experience the cacophony and the myriad of things that are occurring simultaneously, concurrently, and in parallel. And that's done through deeper states of meditation.
1: And my own experience of that, to be personal for a moment, is I feel drawn towards goodness, uh, kindness, love, light, healing, happiness, beauty, all of those things. And uh, so, uh, my question for you then is, is there a risk that one might become uh, too attached to all those wonderful things? uh
0: attachment uh jeff yes that so we don't want to form attachments to anything because what we already are the self the soul the sentience consciousness whatever word you want to use what we already are is complete it is whole it is a direct fractal of god that lacks nothing so we want to be very careful about forming an attachment to anything because that attachment is our energy and now we're connected to something which means we're no longer experiencing ourselves and we're no longer evolving our consciousness. We are now attached to something which means we have now locked ourselves in and we're not moving forward at all anymore. So attachment, no. Experiencing those things that you just said, yes, those are all aspects of the self because we are a supremely high frequency being. Joy, peace, happiness, compassion, love. This is our natural state. Now, we're attuned to this body and the body is attuned to the lower frequencies. And because we're attuned to the body and the body is attuned to the lower frequencies, we're, ex- we're having a low frequency experience. So those things we almost have to cultivate. Even though they're inside us, we have to go within meditation and cultivate the, the connection to what we really are. And then those things start to happen naturally. As you just said, that's what you're drawn to because that is our natural state. But Jeff, not, not attachments. Because what we are is already whole and complete. And our own attachment would just be a misperception, a misunderstanding, and then a misidentification with something. So we've all heard, uh, well, maybe not we haven't all heard, but I am is what we really are. That's the only statement that we can make that is eternally true. Just those two words, I am. Now, anything that you tack onto that will actually be false. Because anything you tack onto that comes after the I am. And so I say that to reference the idea of attaching ourselves to anything, to a feeling, to an emotion, to this, to that, to this realm, to that realm. It's not necessary because we are all already perfect, whole, and complete as we are.
1: That's beautiful. And what it means is really a deep truth that if I were to tell you, I am Jeffrey Mishlove, I've already told you a falsehood.
0: <laughs> yes, and and I know some of this is just so, but because these these things are not taught here, true metaphysics or higher wisdom is not taught here. But yeah, Jeff, a- a- absolutely. I mean, Jeff, essentially the character Jeff or the character R.J. whatever is actually the identification with the body, and then all the identifications or ego mind identity has made. We'll start to say, well, I'm a th- I'm a teacher, I, I, you know, I'm a writer, I'm a Ph.D., I'm a you know, whatever whatever it is, right? No. You're the awareness of all those things. We're none of those things. We're not going to take any of those things with us. We slid in here with none of those things having anything to do with us. And we're going to leave here with none of those things having anything to do with us, hopefully. So we don't form any attachments, hence karma. And then, therefore, we get stuck. And this is, Jeff, this is so important. This is the whole reason why it takes souls tens of thousands of lifetimes to unentangle themselves from the energy, their own energy. That they've used to attach and become addicted to things. So we just, we want to enjoy ourself. We want to enjoy our life, enjoy our friends, our dogs, our cats, everything. Enjoy it. But we don't want to attach to it. And th- this is really the, the truest and highest, highest quality of life is when you can experience yourself. The beingness is online. And then you just take the beingness and put it into your doing this. Now this is a, this is a, a beautiful way to live, and it's a way to ascend the frequencies.
1: It's a beautiful message, R.J., and I think it raises some deep questions. I am reminded of. A wonderful image from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, in which uh, the deceased soul is facing a, a series of netters or deities. Uh, the soul is hopefully uh, wishing to enter paradise, but the the deities are saying, "Did you ever lie? Did you ever steal? Did you ever uh, commit a, a variety of sins?" And the soul has to answer, "No, I didn't," and the the way it was explained to me is that of course go having a human experience you're going to commit some of these things nobody is free from them but what what they're saying is to enter paradise i think it's your message you can't be attached to those events that happened and if you can if you can answer to to these uh, netters or, or deities, no, I didn't do that. It's because you're not attached to what happened. Then you're free to enter paradise. Yeah, Jeff, you got it.
0: it it's the whole idea of the attachment. Uh, no one, no one is perfect, no matter how evolved, no matter how saintly, uh, enlightened. Self does, doesn't matter. There's there's really no such thing as that. Now, there definitely is such a thing as not forming any karma. Absolutely. And this and to ascend permanently, you cannot have your energy connected to anything here. And I think that's really the story behind that. And hopefully these new understandings about metaphysics will simply just fill out things like what you were just talking about. Jeff, to get a a deeper understanding, because now where our basic education is at, we're able to add to maybe to some of these ancient things with with a, a different understanding that almost makes it more full. It's not necessarily different. It's just making it more full because of the level that we're able to interact in terms of our education in in general. But yet, it's our energy. This is the whole cave. This is the karmic cycle, the evolutionary cycle. We want to become a being of pure cause, sans any effect. We don't want to create anything that we then have to experience the tail end of it because we weren't wise enough to truly know what we gave birth to. And that's what cause and effect is. Whatever notion that we give birth to, we have to then receive it to truly understand ourselves as an immortal creator being. We have to be able to give it and receive it. We have to be able to know what it's like to do it and receive it. Now, once we've reached a certain level of our own purity and a certain level of our own consciousness evolution, the goal, from my perspective, is to become a being of pure cause. Sans effect. You are no longer tied to karma. You are no longer even tied to the law of cause and effect. Everything that you're doing is simply the victory of the light. It is simply raising the frequency of mankind in this planet of humanity. And this is when you have transcended the laws of karma and you've transcended the, the law of cause and effect.
1: And yet you've suggested we have to experience both cause and effect to every situation. I used to tell myself, you have to be both the lawnmower and the lawn. Yeah, exactly. That's great. That's, that's
0: exactly right. It's so, But if we look at the, the, the purpose of that, right, is because we truly are an immortal creator being. Now, to, to really become a master, immortal creator being, you have to understand every facet of what you just gave birth to. And you have to become completely responsible for your creations, right? Oh, and by the way, that's one aspect of karma is not taking responsibility, blaming others, if I didn't mention that. That's another form of karma, doing all these things and then saying, well, I was raised terrible. Oh, my, my dad did this, my mom did that, or the government did this, or whatever, not taking responsibility, So we have to understand completely in totality what it is that we give birth to. That's exactly right. We not only have to be the lawnmower, we also have to be the lawn. And then we have truly understood what we've given birth to. And that is a natural progression of becoming a master immortal creator.
1: I'm also reminded of uh, one of the Twelve Steps in the Twelve Step programs. It's about making amends. It's about Mm. making, as I think they call it, a fearless moral inventory of yourself and trying to go back when you know you've harmed another person in one way or another, trying to find a, a way to undo that harm, or at least to make some sort of an amend for what you've done.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's absolutely tapping into the higher truth that you and I are talking about, Jeff. that, that That's exa- exactly right. We've done things, especially when we're in a certain state, when we're in a low frequency state, we're doing a lot of things with a, a very low level of self-awareness and, there, and therefore a very low level of how it's affecting other people. Right. So we've done all these things and sometimes, you know, we'll label them bad or negative. They're really low frequency or high frequency. But we've done all these things. And then to go and make amends is showing the recognition that not only are you taking ownership of what you did, you're taking ownership of the effect. And that, see how that relates to being the lawnmower and the lawn. It's, it's exactly right. And it's actually part of, from my perspective, as we just said, this is the route of self mastery. We have to understand tangibly, tangibly, not just intellectually. We have to understand tangibly everything that we have given birth to. And that's when we're able to start to move up and uh, exist in these higher, these higher states of consciousness in these higher realms.
1: So, if I'm a, a viewer of this conversation, and let's say I'm suffering from an illness of some sort, and uh, I might have the sense that deep inside uh, I deserve this. Uh, obviously, I must deserve it. It's my karma to be sick. How is that individual to uh, move through that? How how does healing start for a a person who believes that they're sick now because of karma? Okay, so the first thing we have to do is to
0: remove the negative connotation of I deserve this. You know, because we're assuming that's negative, because if we're sick, we're kind of saying, well, I brought this on, it's my fault, this and that. Uh, We want to start to remove the idea of blaming someone else, And blaming ourselves. If we're still playing the blame game, we're, we're still operating in a lower consciousness perspective. So I would say the first thing you do is stop blaming yourself. Okay? You've simply had experiences, and this is the result. So make it as neutral as it really is. You've had experiences, choices, experiences, and this is the result. It's okay. This is how we learn. Period. And that's what we're here to do, is to learn, to experience every. Every frequency, every dimension, every reality within God's multiverse. So forgive yourself. Number one, forgive yourself. The stuff that we're talking about right now, Jeff, I, I, hopefully this starts to become more normal for, for human beings and that these kind of, these metaphysics, which is why I wrote the book and all these other books that are going to come out is so there's a different level of understanding. So we can start to work with ourself in this way from the beginning. It's no one's fault. We were not taught any of this. So there's no reason to beat ourselves up. We have made choices. We have made decisions. And now we have a tangible result of that. That's all it is. It's nothing more and it's nothing less. The next thing that we need to do is to give ourselves permission to heal. Your doctor might not give it to you or your wife or your husband or your whoever. Give yourself permission to heal. That's the two starting points. Stop blaming. It's not your fault. You did not know. And now give yourself permission and now start to avail yourself of some of these higher consciousness teachings. And when you start to work with yourself in an authentic way, by being able to access your higher mind and commanding your energy, all bets are off. We can do anything. It's part of being an immortal creator. We can do anything healing. Our body is designed to heal itself. We get a cut. It scabs over. Our body is designed to heal itself. Once we stop misprogramming it through all our identifications, concepts, ideologies, beliefs, we keep misprogramming ourselves. We operate in a low frequency, yet we expect our body to heal itself when we're operating in a low frequency way. That's impossible. We have to start operating in a high frequency way, in a more accurate way, something that is more akin and, and attuned to the self. And that's why I wrote the book. That's why I created that mobile app. It's, it, it, It's why I'm here. So we understand these things and we can do these things. Don't let anyone dictate your reality. And especially don't let that voice in your head dictate your reality because that's just your conditioning. You're the awareness of that conditioning. And when you give yourself permission to heal and you forgive yourself, this is when the magic can start to happen.
1: Well, R.J. Spina, that's why I want to have you back several more times uh, to share these insights and this wisdom with our viewers. It's been such a joy to be with you today, R.J. I'm so much looking forward to our future conversations. Thank you for being with me.
0: Oh, thank you for having me, Jeff. It's my pleasure. I've, I told you a long time ago I was watching you when I was a teenager Uh, It it is truly an honor. It's actually fun to interact with you, and I I can't wait to do it again.
1: And I'm sure we'll do it again pretty soon. (laughs) And for those of you watching or listening, thank you for being with us.